we'll make a short video then. Are there any esoteric teachings in Theravada Buddhism? No. No, one profound statement that, I mean not profound, but one moving statement that the Buddha made was right before he passed away. And that was uh, in response to Ananda, who, you know, if my memory serves me, I'll try to get it exactly right. Ananda was saying, you know, the monks are assembled waiting for their, oh yes, the monks are hoping that you'll give them some last words. You know, you, they said, the monks are, are they're not upset, they're, they're feeling okay because they know well the, the, the Tagata wouldn't go into Parinibbana without giving some last uh, instruction. And the Buddha said to them, said to Ananda, Ananda, what does the, what does the, what does the community of monks expect from me? What do they want from me? And then he said, I have taught the Dhamma without any distinction between the inner and the outer, without the closed fist of a teacher. I'm not sure exactly what the Pali is, but the English translation is, I'm not someone who holds something back. I have, I have taught the Dhamma beautiful in the meaning, in the letter and in the meaning, without any distinction between the inner with between you know the 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 esoteric and the the exoteric i've given you everything i've explained to you the beginning the middle and the end of the holy life and i've done that in full it's like what else is there uh, and and uh so no in that sense there is no esoteric teachings but that's only one sense. The other sense of your question, of course, is you're asking, is there anything secret that you're that uh, we have to be initiated to learn? And in that sense, yes, there there might be. But why is that? It's because, as I said, a person who's not meditating can't understand what I was talking about nama rupa. They just won't understand it. If they haven't been meditating, it makes no sense to them. It it, it sounds like a intellectual theory, and it's just one more theory to put on their shelf. As soon as you start meditating that changes and you are able to understand Nama and Rupa and you listen to that and you say yeah that's what I'm experiencing, oh that makes sense, yeah that it really is what's going on here. And then you practice a little bit more and you reach the second stage of knowledge and then we explain to you about that and, and talk to you and you say yeah that is what's going on. But if you didn't reach the second stage of knowledge it would be meaningless and our words would have no no significance to you. Then you reach the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh all the way up to the thirteenth stage, no not the thirteenth, the eleventh stage of knowledge. You get all the way up to the eleventh stage of knowledge and up to that point we're able to talk to you about it. We're able to ask you how you're doing, where you're at and when we hear that you're in this stage or that stage we are able to guesstimate that you're at this stage or that stage. Then after you hit the eleventh stage, then it it, it goes uh, goes dark. Uh, then there's well, then there's cessation, and the freedom from suffering, and that's something that is really beyond words. Uh, so, my point being that we're not going to talk to you so much about those higher stages because if you haven't reached them it's really useless for you and it can be detrimental because 
as an intellectual theory, you're just going to sit there and say, when am I going to reach this one? When am I going to reach that one? Did I reach this one yet? Did I reach that one yet? Was that this? I had one student who I talked to her about, I taught her the, the knowledges, and this was after she had done a few courses. Uh, but she still wasn't getting it because I, 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 I was kind of pushing her and I said, you know, come on, you really have to come and meet with us. Uh, I would like you to come and and see me, uh, you know, come and see me every day because I was kind of concerned that her practice might be going on the wrong track. And so I said to her, I said, so how are you doing? And she said, well, today I'm in this stage and a little bit of that stage and, and also this stage as well. And so she was giving me three totally different stages of practice that were in total different uh, parts of the progression. And that was, you know, really a sign that probably I had made a mistake in giving her too much knowledge because it was obviously hitting her in the wrong way. She was misunderstanding and misinterpreting and therefore thinking somehow she could be in three places at once, which, um, which is really not possible. I, technically it could happen Suppose in the morning you're in this stage And you go to that stage And then you drop back down Or whatever, it can happen But it doesn't really, doesn't really work that way uh, Not in practice So these are the kind of things That it's better not to know You can go and study them But it's going to be meaningless to you It can even be detrimental My teacher said If you've read about the, the knowledges He said you'll, you, it'll block you He was very harsh he said, uh, "He said a person who hasn't practiced and reads about the, the knowledges will be blocked from realizing the truth, will be blocked from Nibbana, from enlightenment. So we all kind of sat there and were like, whoa, that's... I think he was being a little bit overdramatic. I'm not sure. Uh, he may be totally right, but I don't think it's quite so strict. I think you're not cursed for life just because you read about the, the knowledges but he was trying to make a valid point and it's it's carried out in practice that uh, you should be careful not to acquire too much knowledge without adequate meditation practice preferably under a trained and qualified teacher <laughs>